We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into the After Dark on the Field of 68. This is Stadium's Jeff Goodman here with former Arizona and Xavier head coach Sean Miller and former Wake Forest star and assistant coach Randolph Childress. We'll break down all the big action from tonight. We'll tell you why it didn't work with Chris Mack in Louisville. If Arizona still belongs in the conversation with all the other elite teams, and we'll also pay a visit uh, from Providence head coach Ed Cooley, fresh off a huge road win at the Sinta Center uh, against Xavier. Uh, guys, how you doing? Everything good? Everything's good. Glad to be on, Jeff. All Glad good to... my way. Yeah, everything's good. Not quite as good for our, our guy, Chris Mack, Sean, who you and I know well. Uh, you know especially well because he was your top assistant. And he was the guy that benefited when you left for Arizona, let's face it. Uh, he was able to take over at Xavier and have uh, terrific success there. Went to Louisville almost four years ago. And I'll tell you what, John, I thought, and I wasn't alone, that Chris Mack was the perfect hire for Louisville for so many reasons, right? Midwest ties. He recruited the area. His wife is from Louisville. So she was going to be ecstatic to go there. And that is part of the deal, right? Like when you yeah. went to Tucson, your wife was like, eh, like maybe <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. I'd never been out that far. You had never been there. So, right. you know, that's part of the deal too. What, what went wrong? I mean, listen, we'll go through some of the factors and I can really go through them of again, the Dino Gaudio mess, the NCAA investigation that was hanging over their heads since he got there from, from the Rick Pitino uh, drama, you know, obviously yeah, there wasn't enough. Ultimately, it comes down to, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to survive at a place like that. It's a top 10 program in the country. But, Sean, what do you think, I guess, went awry with Chris in, in Louisville? Well, first of all, I mean, I'm going to be incredibly biased. Chris is a friend. I mean, I, uh, I know his wife. I know his kids. He loves his family. And yeah. first and foremost, uh, you know, sometimes he's not a uh, – fictitious person that only coaches he's a he's a family guy he's married he's a so and when things like this happen I, I think number one you just want to make sure that that he's okay and his family are fine and there's a lot that goes into it when things go bad Jeff uh, but here's the one thing just to clarify and just make sure that we're clear on with Chris 
Chris was the head coach at Xavier for nine seasons. He made the NCAA tournament in eight of those nine seasons, including three, three, three different sweet 16s and an elite eight. The other part of his time at Xavier, he transitioned their program from the Atlantic 10 to the big East. And back then, Jeff, not everybody thought that Xavier would thrive in the Big East. You know, that that's a sure. step up from being where they were in the Atlantic 10. In his last year at Xavier, he's a one seed in the NCAA tournament, a one seed. He goes Hard to, to Louisville, and, and I think the second part, just for everybody, and it's not just Chris, it's just really all coaches. I mean, he is a seven seed, he's in the tournament, and then they lose, but the following year, he was only there for three and a half years. In his second year, Louisville was primed to go to the final four. They could have been a final four team. They were a four seed. I mean, Randolph, you know, as well as anybody, when you're 15 and five in the ACC, you have a damn good team. But then COVID struck. And like a lot of people, it's almost like it's easy to say, well, you didn't make the tournament. Not only would he have made the tournament, but we don't have a crystal ball on what could have happened. He would have taken one of the most ready-made teams to that tournament. And we don't know how that would have played out. Staying with COVID more than any team a year ago, I thought Louisville was hurt because of it as much as anyone. I'll never forget seeing the score at Wisconsin, Louisville at Wisconsin, Louisville at North Carolina, but they were coming down. They were coming off of two in shutdowns. They didn't even have their health, their roster, and unfortunately, the bounce that they took, they had to play a road game at two of those places. At the end of last season, I think there's a strong argument that the last team out of last year's tournament was, in fact, Louisville. When you think about a year earlier, what I just described, and then this the, two years ago and then last year, it's hard to, to say that that coach isn't an outstanding coach and that he wasn't doing a great job. And all of it sets up. Momentum is everything. He went into this season, especially on the heels of these last two with COVID, not where I think he could have been. And uh, and look, all, all of us are privy to our time comes. But I think in Chris's case, if he wants to coach again, Jeff, he'll have that opportunity. And I think that in the next several months and maybe over the next year, I, I think he'll really find peace of mind. But he's a great guy. He's a really good coach. And I was sorry to see it go and end the way it did. Hey, R.C., how much do you think the Dino Gaudio situation uh, affected him? Because, again, Louisville had had so many issues with Patino prior to that, where the program almost felt embarrassed. And, and I thought it was B.S. how the whole thing went down and how the school did not defend and support Chris Mack. Instead, they hammered him with a six-game suspension by the school, not the NCAA, by the school for minor violations that turned out to be level two, which I also think is pure garbage. But to me, again, whether it was right, wrong, or whatever, it was out there. It was out there in the public eye, and it was the last thing Louisville needed. How much do you think that affected his departure at this point? That's the only thing I think it could be. I mean, as Sean just said, it, it can't be basketball. I mean, there's far worse coaches out there record-wise and accomplishment-wise than, than what he's done. I mean, from pure basketball standpoint, there's no way you can tell me that. I thought the allegations from what happened, what he inherited from the Patino stuff hurt them in recruiting. 
I think that's the biggest thing that they were kind of waiting. They needed, if that decision was made earlier, whatever decision they made, I think they're rolling. I don't think this, we're at this point, but it lingered for so long and then it was used against them in recruiting and it hurt them from getting the pros and the guys that they were accustomed to getting there. And, and you know, to remain among the league teams in this conference, you need to have that. So I, I don't think it's a basketball decision at all. I, I think that was just part of the problem. Then the Dino thing, I think the administration just said, hey, you know, we've had our fair share of, of embarrassing situations that we, we you know, our name being in the news for different reasons or the reasons we don't like. And they chose for whatever reasons to move in the direction. But it's not from a basketball standpoint. I, I don't buy that. I, I thought part of it, guys, was was talent. And again, I think the NCAA investigation played into that. But I think it was also some staff dynamic issues, okay, that, that the staff – didn't get along great together and they made some mistakes in, in, in recruiting, you know, I mean, if you look at it and, and you look at the, the group that he brought in, in 2019, 19. okay. He brought in David Johnson from Louisville top 50 kid. He was a good player for two years. I'm going to run through it quick. Aiden Iggyan. I don't even know his name because he, he didn't play there, but he was a top 50 kid who now is basically not even playing really at grand Canyon. Josh Nickelberry, fringe top 100 player. He's now at LaSalle. Jalen Withers has regressed. He only averaged about 4.6 points a game this year. Quinn Slazinski is at Iona now. So you had some misses. And I know, again, some of it is, is related to the NCAA stuff. But you also, and Sean, you know this better than anybody. When you have the NCAA stuff and it affects your recruiting, you can't, your margin for error is so small that you can't miss on some of these guys, right? No doubt. No, no, no question. It, it, it adds to it. It's just a long, long time ago. Um, you, you think about like coach K and his beginning at Duke Jeff in today's world. I don't know if he ever becomes the greatest coach of all time, simply because of how long it took him at Duke to become the best. Right. It takes time. Again, I want you to think about what I just said. In Chris's first 11 years as a head coach, he only coached almost 13. He went to nine NCAA tournaments, which included three Sweet 16s and an Elite Eight. He had a one seed at Xavier. Right. At Louisville, he was a seven seed and made the tournament. He was a four seed with a terrific team. And you know what? I'm sure he inherited some of those guys as well. But he, that team, if you remember 15 and five in the ACC, if there would have been an NCAA tournament, we don't know what would have happened. And I think like when you, you know, you talk about recruiting, one thing that I've learned, Jeff and, and Randolph is it, momentum is a big deal. Yeah. You know, you, you get hot in the NCAA tournament or you start developing recruiting classes that win and certain players that you coach become NBA players it has a great way of leading to future success and just the opposite. When you lose that momentum, it's not a given that it's easy to start back up, especially at a place like Louisville. But like we talked about, there is no doubt I've been around him uh, as much as anybody from his ability to coach Louisville had a heck of a basketball coach in him. Yeah. I mean, listen, if he, if he wants to get back in, I mean, the crazy thing is he's 51, and you know how it is. He, he's a different dude. We know that. And right now, he's telling me he's retired. 
right? Yeah. He's retired today. Well, a year from now, that could totally shift, couldn't it, John? Yeah. He loves to fish. I'll give him that. He he has a few extra hobbies. Uh, so more than you. Hold, no doubt. That may hold serve for a while. But I, I think this, in fairness, if you're just being fair, I think in time it'll it'll be it'll come to him on what he wants to do. But if he wants to one day return, uh, he'll have that opportunity. And somebody just like Louisville, when they hired him, uh, they're going to hire an excellent basketball coach. Uh, and also the other part about it, Jeff, like Randolph, like no matter what we do in life, right, whether it's coaching, whether it's it's this, you have to have great support, you know, and you know, Louisville right now doesn't have an athletic director. They don't have a president. They've gone through some things that no matter what sport you coach in, you know, it, man, it's nice when you have a great relationship with your athletic director or you have a tremendous, unbelievable understanding from the president on down. Sometimes when that's missing, that can also get in the way of your ability to be successful. And uh, so I, I think that as Louisville moves forward, I'm sure that all of their fans are anxious to solidify that part of their program as well. The advice that you're going to give or already have given to, to your buddy, Chris Mack is what, Sean? You know, take it one day at a time. I, I, I think that, you know, just kind of getting away. I mean, I don't have to tell Chris this, but you know, one of the things you learn after the fact is, you know, your kids and wife, as much as you try to tell them, Hey, don't listen to this or don't read that. It's impossible for them not to be a, to feel it. And the, what it does to them sometimes is sometimes as damaging as what it does to you. And you find out almost after the fact, and it breaks your heart to know, like, God, they, they've been going through it. And I think, you know, that's a fishbowl there. And, and uh, his family is, is his priority in his own health and well-being. And uh, stepping away, I think, would be really good for, for him and his family, for sure. I, I always loved when I saw Chris on the road recruiting bringing his daughter with him to recruiting him. I once saw him at the PTM. How about this? We're walking out to the games. It yeah. is pouring. Lightning, thunder, you name it. Christie's yeah. not going to be happy when she hears this. And he's got, all of a sudden, I look out in the pool at the Marriott yeah. Courtyard, and I see some dude out there with, with a girl. And I'm like, <laughs> who is that knucklehead out there swimming when it is like, and I look at the back, you can tell. You can recognize Chris Mack pretty easily from the back of his head, can't you? <laughs> yes, There's you a can. lot of bald dudes yeah. out there, but right yeah. away I knew, and I'm like, oh, it's that knucklehead. It's Mack yeah. <laughs> right. with his daughter. But that's yeah. who he was, and he would bring her to recruiting events everywhere, and both yeah. girls. They would alternate on trips, and, you know, the only thing I'd say is, I'd be sad that his son, who's like six years old, yeah. can't experience this. Right. The coaching part of it. So, because yeah. it is kind of cool. Listen, it's cool for me right now. I'm trying to get a trip with my daughter and, and I'm trying to convince my wife to let my daughter miss school next week to go to UCLA, Arizona, mm -hmm. and then Baylor, Kansas. And I'm mm -hmm. losing the battle right now, but I'm going to win it. I'm going to yeah. win that damn battle because she's a senior in high school and I only got one year left to be able to do this. So I'm yeah. going to win it anyway. Um, Good Jeff, I'm going to tell you this. They told me I was talking to a guy in Chicago. What, what do you got in Chicago? They had like minus 15 today, yeah. minus 10. Pittsburgh, I know it's definitely cool. I'm sure, sure it's unbelievably cold. Like in Arizona, it's 70 degrees and sunny, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll have lunch. That's if the, I come out next week, about out yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do lunch for sure. All right. 
before we, we, we finish with this topic, which I know is not easy for you, Sean, it's not easy for me either. Cause again, I've, I've always let it be known my, my relationship with Chris and, and, and again, knowing his family um, and knowing that Christie's from Louisville, how hard this is going to be for her and the girls who are in high school right now. And they mm -hmm. love Louisville mm -hmm. RC. If you are the athletic director right now, and he's an interim athletic director and they don't have a president, like Sean said, who's next, who do you go after? Who's the first call you make right now? Wow. I mean, that could be a laundry list of guys. I'd call Nick Cronin, you know, yeah. and see if he'd want to come out, yeah. but, but I don't see it happening. I, until they get Sean and you know this, I mean, until that administration gets settled, like what, because the names that they're going to go after, they're not going to go after the major guy. They're not going to go after the, they're going after another high major guy mm -hmm. with a proven record. Nobody's leaving their situation that they're successful in nope. to go to a school with no president. No one. Mm -hmm. So they're in a bind. Like, Good like call. if they don't get the, yeah. if they don't get the president and, and, and the, you know, if they don't get the AD and the president situated, no one is leaving. Like you, we can name all the guys we want. Kenny, like, like Kenny Payne, anybody you name, whoever you want. Now Kenny Payne would walk from New York today. Today, I disagree. That, that would be the guy. I, yeah, right. man, man, yeah. But 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 in this situation, again, like like what happens he if walks. he does that? Hey, Kenny, Kenny, if you you want the job, you got to start walking from New York right now, from Manhattan to Louisville. <laughs> Kenny's going to be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> maybe. Right? Come on. Maybe. I, I don't. If, if it was stable, if it was a stable situation, I get it. But without a president and an AD, RC, because as soon as that, that guy comes in here. Look at that paycheck. It goes from the Knicks where he's making a million a year to uh, to three. It starts with probably a three, a three million at Louisville. It, it, that matters. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> he's cruising right now, living he in is, New York he City. Is. It's a good spot. He's yeah. he, he And he'll be there for as long as he wants. I get The it. problem get of it, it is you get that, and then you got to deal with this and take over a roster that you don't know what this roster is going to be like Yeah, yeah when right. you get there, too. And it's going to yeah. take you time and a place that's – that's not going to be there. So now you got to figure out what you're going to do with the staff. Yeah. You know, so your hand may be forced. You take this job right now, your hand is forced. I mean, we're cheering for Mike. I know Mike McGee's. I'm cheering. He does a great job. Oh, love for Mike. Him. Love Mike's him. a great guy. Yes. But the pressure is going to be to bring in a big name. And then that person comes in there, wants to bring in their guy. But these kids are associated to Mike. So then mm -hmm. if he, you know, so it's, it's, all those other things come into play, but until they solidify the president in AD, I don't see many people beating down a job that we all agree is an elite job. Yeah. Sean, you got any thoughts on, on if you're the AD, I know this is a game that us as media people love to play. And, <laughs> right. and I, know, I know you guys right. hate this. So you can, yeah. you can defer to me. Yeah. I'll give you my it. thoughts after, but, yeah. but if you're, if you're the AD, who are you, who are you dialing up trying? You know, the one thing that, that I believe just in observing a lot of the different changes over the last several years and a lot of guys that that I've coached against, you know, that are new coaches, it's it's not so much that they were once a part of their family. It, it's not it's not so much that that they 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 fit it because they were once there or they played there, et cetera, et cetera. I mean. At the end of the day, once it really, really starts, you know, what, what made Rick Pitino such a great coach is he's a great coach. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's and you, that's what you have to get right. And, and I think that Randolph made a really good point and not everybody wants to sign up for, uh, for a situation that is questionable or dysfunctional. 
So whoever whoever they get, uh, clearly he he's going to have to be be able to check the boxes and in, in everything. Astute recruiter, somebody that can handle a city of that magnitude and size, a fan base like that, and uh, somebody who's an excellent coach. Look, I only say this out of respect. I don't see him leaving. I don't. I have a relationship with him, but I think he's a terrific coach. Mick Cronin, just watching him leave, what he did at Cincinnati, yeah, and then watching him handle like leaving the first conference and then transitioning into the Big East, leaving the Big East, transitioning to another conference, leaving the Midwest and coming to the Pac-12, handling a city like Los Angeles, a program like UCLA, and just kind of watching him handle it all through COVID. If you say, you know, who's a guy that that could come in and potentially do a great job and check all those boxes, I would start with him. And I have as much respect as I have for Chris Mack. I mean, uh, I think Mick is an outstanding coach as well. So moving forward, uh, that's somebody that I that I think makes makes a lot of sense. All right. You want to know my thoughts on this? Go ahead. All right. First call I'm making. I'm, I'm going to make two to start. And I don't think either one's going to say yes, but I got to I got to find out. Scott Drew, I'm going to call out there and just make him say no. And I'm going to call Brad Stevens and say, like, are you miserable right now? Do you want to coach again? If you are, we'll bring you to Louisville. Now, again, Brad is going to get another NBA head coaching job. So he's going to say, hey, thanks, guys. And, and Brad will pick up the phone as he always does. Be as cordial and as nice as he always is. I mean, honestly, I feel like if, uh, you know, uh, you know, Texas A&M Corpus Christi call Brad, he'd take their call. He'd listen to him for an hour and then he'd say, thanks, but no thanks. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'd start. They both say no. Bruce Pearl, I don't think you can get. And I don't think you're going to go after him anyway because of the NCAA stuff. So I don't think you're going to touch Bruce Pearl. And even if you go after Bruce Pearl, I think he's going to leverage it to get more money and try to get his son, Stephen, the coaching waiting job. So I think he's staying at Auburn regardless. Okay. Number three. I would say Matt Painter would be my next call. Matt Painter's not leaving his alma mater, but he'd be terrific there. Mick Cronin, I'm with you. He would have been my third call after Scott Drew and Brad Stevens. And I think Mick stays because he's smart enough to stay in that good weather and on the beach. Okay, so now you're down. LA. <laughs> yeah, now you're down to you're a top 10 program, but you're missing on some dudes. So now you're going to start to get a little squirmy if you're the interim AD. You're going to start to sweat a little bit because – Frankly, your job is on the line here. You're trying to keep this job permanently. And words leaked out that all these guys have probably said no, whoever you're trying to get. So now you, you, you're squirming. You're like, I got to get a dude now. I, I can't miss again. I got to get a dude. So now you know who you go after? Now you're at like Eric Musselman or your boy Randolph Steve Forbes. You're kind of at that level now where you got to get a guy. And those are guys. And you need guys with the right personalities at places like Louisville mm -hmm. and Musk goes through a lot of assistant coaches. Okay. But the dude can coach the dude can coach and he will fight and you need a fighter because you can't have a guy that lays down at Louisville when that dude down the road is going to beat your ass. So yeah. th those are my thoughts. Again, I don't know if where they end up going, what they end up getting. I, I assume they'll go a search firm. And all this because you've got mm -hmm. an interim AD who probably isn't as plugged into everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll get some names and figure out who's interested and who's really not. 
and you got a little bit of time, but you also want to make sure you're not fighting Maryland for the same dudes. You, you, you mm -hmm. better kind of get ahead of the game here because you have some time. All right, listen, welcome in to everybody now listening to the Field of 68 After Dark on Sirius XM Channel 84 ESPN Radio. Jeff Goodman here from Stadium here with none other than former Arizona coach Sean Miller, former Wake Forest star Randolph Childress. And we are going to talk nothing like Sean having you on the night after uh, an Arizona UCLA <laughs> game. And for those that don't know, I am an Arizona Wildcat. Uh, but I was also an Arizona Wildcat that had to check into the hotel in Tucson under an assumed name once because the Arizona fans didn't like me. Yeah, you much. probably deserved it. You probably <laughs> deserved it. I'm sure I did. I don't know what I said. I actually thought I'd done show and said the team wasn't that good to help you out. But yeah. in turn, in turn, they were killing me. So anyway, yeah. uh, UCLA beats Arizona in round one at Poly Pavilion late last night. It was number three UCLA against number seven Arizona. I still wasn't sure how good this Arizona team was because they hadn't beaten a gauntlet of teams. They wanted Illinois, but other than that, it had been kind of a ho-hum kind of schedule, especially in the Pac-12. Um, Kirk Creesa really, really struggled, Sean. And yeah. UCLA had a lot of dudes. Listen, Poly Pavilion had, had people in it again. It's a home court advantage. I right. started against Villanova. So when was the last time, Sean, that Arizona UCLA? Because when I was there, listen, Don McClain, we had dudes playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit. Randolph's laughing because he knows we're kind of the same. All of us are in the same age bracket. When was the last time we had a game like this between Arizona and UCLA, Sean? Well, when we had Lowry Markinen and uh, they had Lonzo Ball, I mean, that was uh, very similar to last night's game. It really was. I mean, if you count it up today, uh, we have more information today. I think you have nine players that played in that game that are in the NBA or have played in the NBA. I mean, uh, TJ Leaf, Aaron, Aaron Holiday, Lonzo Ball, you know, Lowry Markinen uh, on our end, uh, we had a, a very, very good team. But that's uh, when those two programs are at their finest. You know, that's when the Pac-12, I think, is also at their best. And, and last night we saw, you know, in fairness to UCLA, Randolph, if, can you imagine, you know, you're in the East and you're, you're calling ACC games and you're around. I mean, it's one thing to have no fans, but I think it's a completely different dynamic when you have fans and you play road games with fans and then they take those fans away from you and you have no fans like that. Right. To me, that's a completely, yeah. you're all screwed up. That's like a completely yeah. different yeah. deal. And, it's a tease. And, yeah. and in fairness to UCLA and Oregon beat them, but for those guys to play that game with no fans and just me watching it, it's just, it's terrible. Last night, Arizona played in front of Pauley Pavilion. They played in front of that crowd that yeah. you would associate that type of game with. And, uh, and look, here's the thing about it. Azulis Tabellis was probably 50%. I think you have to really factor that that's real. He wasn't himself. Uh, Arizona was on a long trip. They played at Stanford, at Cal. That was their third game in seven days on the road. And, and let me tell you this, UCLA is really good. At the beginning of the year, when we started this, Jeff, I was talking about UCLA to the point where you guys were getting irritated with me. <laughs> But I'm telling you, Cody, hey, you were talking, back. you were also talking, I think, about Washington and Oregon State back then. <laughs> That's a story for another day. But but I'm telling you, Cody Riley, 
Tiger Campbell, the fact they've been in a final four and they are a really good team. Like they've beaten Villanova at home. They've beaten Arizona at home. They've been on the road at Marquette in front of a rabid fan base. Marquette is playing as well as anybody in the country. UCLA beat them handedly on that night. UCLA is a tough team. I, I don't look at the fact that Arizona lost at UCLA as they're no longer as good as we once thought. I think coming up next week, Jeff, when you talk about them playing at home against UCLA and home against USC, I think that will be more of a test, and uh, they're good. Uh, Kerr clearly didn't have as good of a game last night, but um, we'll see how he responds. I, I would I would bet on him. Randolph Childress, uh, what was your biggest takeaway from UCLA in that game, that they're back? That Because I felt like people had forgotten about them because of their three-week layoff. Right, right. Because they didn't have fans in that loss to Oregon. Randolph, it, it, was that kind of your biggest takeaway too? They seem like they had the longest pause of anybody in college basketball. It's like we right. almost forgot about them. You know, yeah. we went weeks without seeing them. So it was kind of like, all right, we saw them early in the year. We knew they were like a top five team. And then they just didn't play anybody. You know, they couldn't yeah. play. They were shut down. So then we go in and again, they lose to Oregon at home, but they don't have the crowd. So we knew, right. we joked about it last week. They're coming into this game. They were going to have fans. Like yeah. We knew they were going to take this game seriously. I don't question. I think this game was we wanted to see more about what how Arizona was going to look like. You know, yeah. we had seen games against UCLA and knew UCLA is going to be there in the end. Arizona, the only thing, that, the biggest question mark I have is, and we talked about this earlier, Sean, you mentioned this point guard play. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just hard to advance and go as deep as you want to get, go if you don't have solid PG play. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be the only thing that I – Talent, I don't think anyone questions their talent, and they're not mm-hmm. going to shoot 30% for the, you know, you know mm-hmm. they can have an off-night shooting. I don't worry about it. But PG play is something that the only thing on their roster that really concerns me. Mm-hmm. Sean, like, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with RC 100% on that with Kerr, especially after watching him last night. Now, again, he's got crazy swagger. Crazy yes, swagger. Yes, he does. Yeah. The headband, the whole deal. Jeff, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys this. Like, yeah. he's, a, he's a freshman. All right. So let's just categorize it at if you want to be fair in your judgment, the guy right. he was playing against last night, in my opinion, is the most underrated point guard in college basketball. I've He's coached against them for several years. Tiger Campbell gets very little respect for what he does for his team on offense, on defense. And Randolph, you know, this like point guards step up in big games. When you watch Tiger Campbell in the biggest games on their schedule, he shows up. And then sometimes if he doesn't have a great game, he makes big plays at the end to win the game. And you know what? It was Kerr's kind of first time going against them. Uh, I'll bet on Kerr, though. His ability to shoot, his belief in himself, um, he's a very, very good and talented player. But is he the a seasoned veteran? Is, is he in his third year, been there, done that? No. So if you want to question that, that's that's something I think that's easy to question, but don't be surprised when you watch him next week at home if he doesn't really, really bounce back. But let me say this. I believe that last night's game wasn't as much of an indictment on Arizona or any player or anything they did. Let's just give credit to Mick Cronin, and his staff and his team. They changed the game. They they controlled the tempo. They played a very good defensive game against Arizona Arizona has been a machine. Nobody has really stopped them. 
Last night was the first time that they ran into that. And then on offense, UCLA also controlled the game by trying to pick on matchups. It's a unique way of playing offense. But with their personnel and the way they do it, they're able to do that against virtually any team on their schedule. And they're a tough out. They're a tough matchup. And I thought their game plan, how the other part about UCLA's guys, like Randolph, you said it, they've been on this long, crazy pause, which I think almost took all of December. They've been stripped of their fans. Everybody quit talking about them. And last night they were playing a team that everybody was talking about. And guess what? Their pride, their toughness, I thought really shined through. So I'm going to look at last night's game as a real testament to, to UCLA and Mick and how good they are versus Arizona. Uh, we'll find out more in the next couple of weeks about, about Arizona. But those guys are – I think those are – to your point, Jeff, I think they're two outstanding teams. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. And, I, you know, I kind of – you're thinking like, all right, do I – does Arizona belong in that elite 11? And that's yeah. kind of what I've called it so far, 11 yeah. teams that I think have separated themselves. But you're right. It's in a tough environment. Let's see what happens next when they go back to Tucson. And if, if, they, don't, if they don't respond in Tucson against USC and UCLA, then we're probably putting, putting them in that second tier. But uh, yeah. certainly, uh, again. Hey, there'll be fans at that game. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm hoping, I'm hoping my daughter and myself are two of those fans at that game. So yeah. we'll, it's we'll a, see. Randolph, have you ever played in the Kale Center? I haven't. It, it, it's such a unique place, man. It's, it's it, the pageantry in the place, the 14,500. They love Arizona. Started a long time ago with Lute Olson, but it's also a very sophisticated crowd. Like they don't turn on you very easily. If you're struggling, they rise up, and uh, it's a special place. And I think it's the separator in the West because unlike a lot of other places in the West, they just don't have that rabid fan base that guys like you, you know, playing at the Smith Center, playing at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Like, how about when you play Carolina, what it's like in Winston-Salem? You know, uh, it's not always like that in the West. And, uh, and that's why that game, Jeff mentioned it, UCLA and Arizona – Oh, both really thriving. It's it's great to see that type of game. So good. So good. All right. They're back. Listen, uh, Jeff Goodman, Sean Miller, Randolph Childress here on the field of 68 after dark. Stick with us and find out Providence coach Ed Cooley's reaction to me calling the Friars the luckiest team in America next. And you're clear. All right, boys, it's time to take some questions from the YouTube chat here. And uh, I'm going to start with Luke Inglis to Sean. Sean, if Ken Palm had a negative view of your team, how worried would you be that it would affect seating come March? I would be very worried only because he's going to be right. <laughs> you know, it, it, your it, brother, <laughs> you and Arts love Ken Palm. I love him. He's the I best. Like, uh, I'm telling you, he... There are so many sleepless nights that guy creates because when he doesn't believe in you or, or you look at that you sheet and you're like, oh, guess what? As much as you hate it, he's like, God, he's right. You know, so uh, I, I looked at that as a guide for who so our funny. team was, who the team we're playing is. And I would be extremely worried about that. 
Well, it was like the Bible when something came out. You read it. It was like, Love oh, him. this is it. He's the best. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Dave from Dave Weekly. Uh, Randolph, what's your take on West Virginia after its fourth loss and a home loss to Oklahoma tonight? 30 seconds. You know what? I, I It's, it's going to be tough for those guys going forward. I, I, I don't think they – it's just going to be a down year. I, I don't Point see guard it. play. Point yeah, guard play. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah. I don't either. All right, last one for me. 15. Uh, from Greg Hopkins. Would, Kev, would Kevin Willard be a viable option for Louisville this offseason? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Kevin Willard is viewed as a Rick Patino guy. Five. Thus, you can't hire Three, him at Louisville two, right now. Your life. All right, welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman. Here with Sean Miller with Randolph Childress on Sirius XM Radio, ESPN U. We're also sponsored by Bet Rivers, and we have a great, great guest next who is one of the most entertaining people, as you know, Sean, in college basketball, and the Providence Friars had a huge win tonight, huge win at the Sinta Center against Xavier, and Providence is a team that is now 17-2, and two. the 17-2 and two Providence Friars. Did we ever think we... You've known Ed Cooley a long time, Sean. Did you ever think Providence would be 17-2 and two in a year? He's a heck of a coach, man. He doesn't get enough credit for just his tactical part uh, of the job, of what he does. I mean, it, as you know, Jeff, I mean, the job he's done at Providence in general, not just this year, but from the day he took the job till now, I mean, it's unprecedented what he's done, and he's done it in obviously a part of the Big East Conference, but – you know, one of the things that I believe helps Ed, guys like Ed or places like Providence right now, is the ability to take impact transfers that are eligible right away. I mean, Randolph, throughout college basketball, you watch these teams that are benefiting from being able to add to their team from a year ago and have somebody that's eligible right away. They didn't even sit out like they they go from one place to the next and they're contributing. I mean, Jeff, you were at Michigan State in Illinois. How important is Plummer to Illinois? Oh, oh. I mean, he's I mean, an unbelievable shooter, right? Yes. But yes. you think about that, like they didn't get a McDonald's All-American or a high school player to change what they what they did or to replace who they lost a year ago. Um, so I, I think like Al Durham, Al Durham, I mean, you think about the impact he's made leaving Indiana, starting at Indiana, playing in the Big Ten, practicing, playing for a good coach. Then he, all of a sudden he shows up at Providence at 22 years old. I mean, you have a guy there that helps you win. And it's not just Al Dorn. They have everybody, right? They have, they have a little bit of everything going. But I believe that those types of ingredients not only are helping Ed on this year's team, but I think will continue to help Providence be among the best. So how does that become a 17-2 and two team? Things like that have happened in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to get lucky, RC, too, with the transfer portal. And he's gotten lucky. A lot of these dudes are transfers. Yeah. Right? I mean, you look down by Croswell, obviously Durham. You know, tonight, their best player, Nate Watson, does not score. He's in foul trouble the whole game. And they still get a huge road win like this. To me, that shows mental toughness as much as anything else. And that's what Ed Cooley preaches. And that's what this team has. 
I think he'll be one of the guys. We're talking about one of the, you know, the Louisville, Maryland job. I think his name will come up and he'll get the call. And the question is whether he'll take it. Right. But, but you know, he's very particular about what he wants to do. We know he's all, you know, he's had opportunities to move on. Uh, experienced team. They're battle-tested. Yep. And I'm going to get on Rob about it because I picked them over his, his Huskies this year. So I'm, I'm going to give myself a little credit for that now. But seriously, <laughs> great coach. Yeah, one of the funniest guys in the business, man. God, his guys love him. His players love him, and and you're just happy for him. You won't find many people to have a negative thing to say about Ed Cooley. He's he's doing a great job. Like in tonight's game against Xavier, I watched the game, uh, Jeff and Randolph, and you know when you play Providence, Ed has always been able to mix his defense. So yeah. he's playing man to man. He's playing man to man. When he puts up a zone, it's not just a soft zone to change the mm -hmm. game his team can play a zone right. like they tonight, they were constantly bouncing back and forth between man and zone. And it took Xavier's rhythm away. He could take other teams rhythm away. And then on offense, he controls the game as a coach by running just unbelievable set plays. If you're a young coach and you want to study a college coach who runs great set plays and controls his offense that way, I'd study Ed Cooley. And you, if you watched him, He's getting his best player shots. They're efficient on offense. They're changing defenses. And like we just mentioned, he has a an older group and a lot of different players that have been through the battles. And right now, road wins, quad one wins. Oh, boy. How many teams have more of both of those than Providence? So not only are they 17 and two, Jeff, but you can't say, yeah, Sean, but, but they haven't played anybody. No. Just the opposite. They're not only 17 and two, but they've been on the road and on neutral court settings and they have big wins. So I think Ed, Ed is going to have his best seed maybe ever in this year's NCAA tournament. And he's going to have an experienced team that can advance. And to your point, whatever job you asked earlier about Louisville, my mind is still on Chris Mack. So I, it's who's the next guy. Yeah. But in any job that's opened, you would be foolish to not talk to Ed Cooley on, on how long he's done it, how well he's done it, the places he's done it at. Uh, he, he's one of the college basketball. Not, he's not a character. He, like, like we just talked about Randall. He's a great guy. So sometimes it's almost like he's so funny. You want to hug him. No, he's one of the best coaches in the game and his personality is somewhat what makes him. But like I'm telling you as a tactician, when underrated. you coach against Providence, yes. he's very yeah. underrated. He yep. knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. And his guys will run through a door for him as well. They love him. The, the biggest compliment I can give Ed Cooley is if I had a, a, an 18-year-old son, I would want him to play for Ed Cooley because yeah. he is a high-character dude yeah. who gets people to play hard, does it the right way, and now we welcome in. Ed Cooley, fresh off a huge, huge road win against Xavier tonight. Now, pleased to welcome in Providence head coach Ed Cooley of the 17-2 and two Providence Friars. Hey, Eddie, the last time Providence was 17-2, and two, do you know how old you were? No, hell no. 
You were seven years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Was, was Mulaney there? Was, who was there? Yeah, you remember Mulaney? Joe Hassett was the leading scorer. He definitely Bob wasn't Cooper was this. there. Dave wow. Gavitt coaching. Come on. You remember those guys. I mean, I was seven years old. I was, I mean, I, I was looking for some pop tarts and lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, huge win tonight. I mean, you go on the road and you beat a really talented, really tough Xavier team. You and I were talking last night as I was driving back from Champaign, nearly missed the exit to the, uh, to the airport, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I caught it. I caught it in time and got back to the hotel. But what did this win mean for you? Because you've had some really good wins this year. But this one, going to Xavier, playing in a tough environment, beating a really, really good, talented team, and the way you did it, you, you, you had the lead, you had control, then you gave it up, and then you hit a huge, huge shot from Jared Bynum. Resilience, toughness. Um, I thought we controlled the game for about 36 of the 40 minutes, maybe 37 minutes. You know, And again, in the timeouts, ebb and flows, ebb and flows, uh, our guys were just dialed in, and this is almost a mirror image of last year's game, almost identical to last year's game. We lost at the buzzer here on a three by Jones. We're up to, you know what I mean? We had some turnovers late, and, you know, this year we were just fortunate to come out with the win, but credit Al Durham, two, two, two things on Al Durham. A, to make the free throws. B, to have the assist and the wherewithal to be unselfish to find Jared in that space couldn't be more proud of our kids, Jeff. Couldn't be more proud of the, the players. Really, I mean, really. If, if I had told you, Ed, that your best <coughs> player, your leading scorer, Nate Watson, would go for the goose egg. Nothing. Didn't didn't score, had two rebounds, was in foul trouble all night, and you'd still come out with a road win against Xavier? Listen, I've called you lucky for much of the season. I know you know that. I've called you yeah, lucky. No, no, that's the national narrative. I want to stay lucky then. <laughs> Let's stay lucky. You know, why not? The thing is, here's the deal. Many people talk about Providence College on who we played and who didn't have who. We've been undermanned. Jarrett missed a lot of games. We He wasn't against Texas Tech. I don't think we had him against Rhodey. Um, you know, AJ's been out almost a month. And again, guys are continuing to just fight for one another. We shrunk the rotation a little bit. We got to watch the way we practice. It's just a credit to the players, man. You know what I mean? The other team's trying to win too. And you the know? other team and, is and, tough. Like you said it last night to me. This team, and this is kind of what you've been known for in your tenure. This is who you are, that toughness, that fight, that resiliency. This team, I think you got it back. I think you may have lost it for a little bit with this program for a brief stretch there. But I think you feel like, right, this team, you have it back. And again, as you know, Jeff, when you're in coaching, you're going to have teams that may mirror what exactly what you want to do. You may have to make some adjustments with it. And I've been fortunate to be a head coach now for 16 years, and it's not always going to be what you really want. But with this group, it's not only what I want and not only what we need, but if you spend some time around these men, how close they are, and obviously winning gives you a little bit more confidence. And again, the way people view Providence College is just, it's just a credit to their resolve and a credit to their resilience. All right. I'm going to throw a couple numbers at you. Okay. 48 on Ken Palm, 41 on the net. Now, I've called you fortunate and lucky, but I've got you ranked in the top 25 and have you ranked as high as 15 most of the season this year. So I don't care about the luck either. You know, you got Wisconsin without Johnny Davis, whatever. You got Seton Hawk coming back from, from their pause, whatever. Who cares? You win those games. You got to win them. Why the hell? What, what's with the, the analytics? Are they just – they're projecting, they're predictive 
are they just predicting that Ed Cooley and the Friars, that the bottom's going to fall out? I don't know. I, I don't think that deep, to be honest with you. I really don't. I mean, we, we defy the metric odds since I've been a coach. We're just looking to win the game. It may not be pretty. It may not be great. But, you know, when you got some grittiness, you got some resolve. I keep coming back to that word. We defy the numbers. You know what I mean? Just like somebody asked me who my best shooter is. I don't know. The ones who's making the shot. You know, um, uh, you, you don't. You just got to stay dialed in and, and be true to who you are. I'm not worried about analytics. I'm not worried about where we're ranked. Just try to win the next game. But, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. And you probably got to do some homework on this. Tell me in the last 20 years in the power conference, arguably one of the best conferences top to bottom in America, they're a team that has a record like ours, like ours, whether it's Ken Palm, Palm Ken, or whatever these numbers are, analytics are, that isn't a top 10 team in America with that resume. Nobody. And, 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 and that to me, that to me is, you know, people who vote look at the name, they don't look at the substance. People who vote look at what we did in the past, not the substance. Again, we're, we're a different team than we were. We got a long way to go, but where we are today, where we are today, I'm just proud of. And when you do your homework on that, I love to see what the numbers come back at. Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to find anybody else. And, and right. it is amazing. I mean, 17 and two off to the best start again since Ed Cooley was a young uh, Ed Cooley running around Providence. Hey, I don't know what you're Pop doing. What, 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 are, what are your favorite ones? What are your favorite ones? My favorite like Pop Tarts. I, you know, yeah, I'm trying to think back when I was six or seven, I was probably eating a couple packages of Pop-Tarts. Yeah, me too. I, I like the brown cinnamon sugar ones. Me Those too. Love the brown cinnamon sugar. But, but you got to put them in a toster. You got to toast them. Uh, no, absolutely. You can't, you can't just go straight out of the, out of the wrapper. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. You, you got to get a little crisp to it. You got a little crisp to it. What, what else? What, what else? I mean, now I know you, you, you don't eat. When's the last time you had a Pop-Tart? Um, yesterday. No, 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 I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, you know what? Everybody always rips me when I come to Providence games. Yeah. I always get a box of hot tamales. So everybody no. always, somebody's always taking a picture of me ripping on me eating hot tamales, but uh, there it is. There it is. All right, listen, I'm going to have one on a plane going home. Hey, good job. You earned it. Off the parks. You earned it. You earned it. Yep. I am so proud of this group. To come in here, you know, they're well coached, they're physical, they're athletic, they're long. They're old. And, you know what I mean, I'm, I'm, they're I'm old, speaking. Eddie. And they're old. I'm, I'm, I mean, we got a tough game coming in on Saturday or Sunday, depending on what we're going to play. I want to enjoy this one on this flight home. I wanted to make sure I got on with you because I appreciate all the things you do for us. All right. Eat those Pop Tarts. Have a safe Thanks trip back. And Thank uh, you, 17 and 2, the Providence Friars. There you have it. <laughs> And you wrap it around a hot tamale. Come on. No, you guys you want to have a great piece of candy? Try that combination, Randolph. Swedish fish wrapped around a hot tamale. You eat them together. It gives you a little bit of that cinnamon and sweetness. It's a heck of a deal. <laughs>
All right. From Matt Miller. Randolph, how does Xavier's loss affect your thoughts on their floor ceiling? Their guards didn't play well tonight. I thought that was going to be the advantage. So I'm not down on them. Those guys will play better and they'll be back. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about them. They just lost to a tougher team tonight. Sean from Griggs. What do you think about Kentucky going into Lawrence Kansas? 30 seconds. Without Ty Ty. It's going to be a tall task. I know this though, when Kentucky has gone into, uh, into, into Lawrence, Kansas, in Fog Allen Fieldhouse, they have played some great games. Am I right about that? Like, yes. you, you know, you think like, ah, that's going to be a tough one for Kentucky, and they play really, really well. Uh, Ten Kentucky, seconds. That injury has hurt Kentucky, uh, but uh, Five. it's a it's a tall task to go Two. into Kansas. No one. Good luck. All right, welcome back to the Field of 68's After Dark here on Sirius XM ESPN Radio. Jeff Goodman here with Sean Miller. With Randolph Childress, we, we've we made you you know talk about some tough things so far tonight, Sean. You've had to talk about your buddy Chris Mack and his yeah. departure. You've had to talk about the Arizona UCLA game. We're gonna give you something a little bit easier lifting to to close out the show for the next few minutes because yeah. I think you deserve it. Thank this you. Was, I appreciate that. I think I saw you sweating, <laughs> sweat pouring down your. I'm face, used to which, being picked on, Jeff. It takes a lot to get me. You're also used to sweating, so that shouldn't bother you quite a bit um marquette gets a huge win tonight at seton hall they beat him by 10 they controlled the game the entire way this shaka hire looks better and better every single game uh that we see him now again justin lewis might be the most underrated player in the entire country he had 33 nine and six tonight in this win sean why why is this marquette team because they were great out of the gates, but one of their wins was against an Illinois team without Kofi. Then they kind of, I thought they came down to earth a little bit. Now they've picked it back up again. They got their kind of mojo back. And a game like this, man, again, a good road win on the Big East, a huge one for them. You know, Jeff, you know, we talk about underrated coaches. We talk about underrated teams and players. You know, Marquette is an underrated place. They love college basketball. I mean, when you look at their fan base, the arena they play in, the city of Milwaukee, the Big East Conference, they've had a great lineage of success. They really have. I mean, you know, Tom Crane and, and Buzz. And and you know what, Wojo, Wojo had some good teams, especially offensively. And then you watch Shaka come in. I think Shaka is a, a great fit for Marquette. And uh, I hope Shaka feels this way. I think Marquette, Marquette is a great fit for Shaka and vice versa. And Marquette is in Shaka is a great fit for that conference in that place. I think it's, it's off to a great start. Again, some of the comments we made about Providence and college basketball, being able to help your team and program roster from one season to the next through transfers, guys who no longer have to sit out, but can play right away. If you hit it right, you can go from an, an okay team to the top of the heap. And the other guy that I love that plays for Marquette is uh, Morcel, Daryl Morcel. You know, a year ago, think about this, Randolph. You can get the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Whew. How good was the Big Ten year? Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year who's a perimeter player and put him on your team that has other good pieces. And uh, Marquette is playing as well as anybody. 
It's a basketball school. That's the thing. Right. It is. Right. It's a basketball. Texas was not a basketball school. As much as people want to make it into one, right. nobody's really been able to do it. Nobody's going to do it because do football it. reigns supreme. But listen, I I'm glad for Shaka because I do. And it's funny. When that hire was made, at first I shook my head. I'm like, well, listen, I don't know. I mean, he really couldn't do anything at Texas. They can never get it going. And the last thing I remembered in my head, I was there. Abilene Christian didn't just beat him. I mean, they embarrassed a team that was so much more talented. So I was worried about Chaka, but then I thought about it a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? This is the perfect fit. I think He's doing a great him. job. I mean, Chaka's yeah. an outstanding coach. You forget what he did at VCU, and not just the year that he went to the Final Four, but the identity that he created and, and the success that he had. And uh, to me, he'll be at Marquette for as long as he wants to, and – I think it's just a great fit for for who he is as a coach. He'll get more guys in there that fit. I mean, I think he got players at Texas, but these guys were coming in and they were one and done, and it didn't give him enough time. Yeah. It, you can't build off one and done young guys. They had talent, you know, guys, you know, mm -hmm. going pro, but but you couldn't. It's hard to win with freshmen unless they're Chet Holmgren or Paul of Carroll or Jabari, Jabari Smith, mm -hmm. and then there's every other freshman that needs time. Yeah, you know, and, and he were getting guys, and they were just going out to the league. And Marquette fits him. I mean, yep. it's going to be they're going to support him financially. He'll get everything he needs. He'll get veteran guys. Yeah, he's he's going to win the transfer portal, and I think they'll be a perennial top twenty-five team year in and year out. They are, and then right now, uh, you said it, Jeff. They're playing as well as any anybody in the country. I mean, they are. They're you go to Villanova and you win, you're playing really well. I mean, how many Big East teams over the last, what, five years, seven years go on the road at Villanova and win that game? There are certain programs that have never won there or haven't run there in the last decade. And I think that game probably gave an already trending team in the right way an amazing amount of confidence. You can tell that they believe in themselves and they're playing really well right now. Yeah, I think it's tough, too. You know, you're at Texas. The AD who hired you is gone. You're, you're kind of, you got that pressure on you all the time to have to win and you're dealing with young guys. So um, we got about 30 seconds left here. RC, how, how worried are you about Seton Hall right now, quickly? I'm worried as long as Bryce Aker's not in the lineup. I, I think he's the guy that needs to be there. I, I'm a huge fan of his game, the way he plays. If he's not out there, I, I just think he's a difference maker for him. Yeah, and, and he's a guy that, again, has made big shots, wants the ball on his hands at the end of a game. I mean, again, Seton Hall got off to such a great start at the beginning of the season, and then they had that pause. And I saw them when they played at Providence. They were down two bigs. You lose that one, you start to lose some of that mojo, some of that swagger. Uh, Sean Miller, Randolph Childress, you guys will never lose that mojo, that swagger. <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight, Sirius Radio. Channel 84, this is Jeff Goodman, Field of 68, After Dark. And you're clear. Good job. Got it? Yeah, we're, we're, we're clear. We're clear, which means now I can eat my Pop-Tart because uh, we're going to take <laughs> some questions. We're, it's, it's the After Afters. Got you. That was the, the Rob Doster name. I don't, I don't quite understand the After Afters, but he's more of a drinker I am, and he's younger. <laughs> so I, I think maybe, you know, maybe it's something that's a, a younger generation than us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, after afters.
means we, we kind of get our beers ready. And for me, my Pop-Tart, this is a s'mores though, just so you know, it is not brown sugar or whatever it was. I've made the transition to the s'mores Pop-Tart. You know, somebody told me about Pop-Tarts. I don't know if this is true, that in Europe, in some countries, it's an illegal food. It's so bad for you. Seriously? I really yeah. mean that. Like the stuff that's on the inside of it oh, no. is like basically you're eating something that your body will reject. You just don't right. know it. <laughs> you, you couldn't have told me that 10 seconds earlier. I, mean, I wanted on. to make sure you bit, bit into it first. You know, I, did, I didn't hear that, Jeff, because in some countries, that's part of their breakfast, too. They got the little smaller ones. So it depends on what country you're, you're, you're that's going. That's right. Man, oh, man. Well, listen, there, there was some. You know, tonight wasn't like a loaded slate, I think. I mean, I think it was just kind of last night. It felt every team felt like they were in a war, right? Like mm -hmm. Auburn barely wins against Missouri tonight. I mean, there were some good games. Obviously, the Providence win was huge. Right now, you got uh, Utah State beating San Diego State late. Uh, well, early in the second half in Logan, which is not an easy place to play. Uh, Florida loses to Tennessee. In Knoxville, this Florida team's tough to figure. Tennessee's tough to figure, too. LSU got a big win tonight, guys. Yeah. A big win before we we jumped on serious. 70-64, they came back. Uh, so that was a big one for Will Wade in, in, in Baton Rouge. What – anything stand out to you from tonight's games? Well, uh, Davidson lost at home to VCU, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, their win streak comes to an end. And again, credit VCU. I think they're one of several teams in the Atlantic 10 that are hard playing, tough, talented. You get to a tournament like the Atlantic 10 tournament, you know, that's when it's really fun. I mean, think about the Atlantic 10 tournament, you know, the teams like Dayton and St. Bonaventure and and Richmond and, and obviously Davidson VCU, those guys are fighting for their lives to try to get in. Uh, that'll, that'll be interesting. But I think when, a, when a streak like that ends, you have to make note, you have to make note of that for sure. And, uh, and look, it's what Ed, it's what Ed Cooley said. Let's give a lot of credit to Providence, a big East team that has the record that they have that has won as many games away from home as they have another one tonight, winning at the Cintas center is not an easy task. And Ed has himself an excellent team. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you guys with a few questions here. All right. If Kansas wins the big 12, will they get a number one seed? Yes. yes because right? it's America's best conference. Right. Yes. I mean, that's yes. a lock. Is it? Yes, I, I almost think, doesn't the big 12 have a, a chance, even if Baylor wins, if Baylor wins either or in Kansas, one wins the, the tournament, one wins the regular season title. They have a chance to get two number one seeds this year, do they not? 100% for sure. I mean, Randolph, think about this. Every road game you play in the Big 12 is a quad one game. Yep. So let's flip that. The Pac-12, you know why that was such a big game last night? That those were two quad one teams. Yeah. If right. you, you know, for, for Arizona, you have two opportunities to play quad one teams on the road, USC and UCLA. So, I mean, think about the difference between what we just talked about. So uh, for sure. All right. We got a good one from, from Patty Mac 811. Sean, what's your favorite 50 cent song? Man, that's a, that's a trick question. I mean, I, I probably have a couple, but I can't name them. I mean, come on, man. I I'm trying to figure things out. Like uh, 
who's the best team in college basketball. John, I don't think I ever saw video. You know how you always see the video of coaches after a big win dance in the middle of the circle for the players? I don't think I ever saw one of you doing that. See, that's the problem. The sports information department at Arizona was was very mediocre. Matt Enzer, he he didn't do his job because it happened all the time. No way. Are you serious? I just didn't let you in. Oh, shit. We need video of that so bad. I'm... I'm hitting Enzer when this show is over. I'm hitting Enzer. It it's videos. out there. It, it, the guys threw water all over me. Yeah, like, I mean, RC, how, yeah. how much do you want to see? Sean. <laughs> I agree to say, I'm, I'm a black male <laughs> on that. I'm going to pay somebody to get a copy of that one. Like, we need, like, the compilation of all the different moves from Sean after, after the wins. And there were, yeah, there no, were plenty I, I try to stay in my lane, man. I'm not a dancer. <laughs> but the celebration after games, though, that's, that's, that's wrong, Jeff. That happened all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Who's, who's the better dancer, you or Arch? I, those are two really bad dancers. I, that's not even a fair question. So, like, in Beaver Falls, one of you... you just don't dance. Like, in Beaver Falls, it's like back, it's like playing. There's two things you don't do if you're from Beaver Falls you don't dance and you don't play golf. No, hey, golf. we just going to say you know, Arch like, because oh, you want to play, you want to play golf. Oh, you're soft. You're over there playing, you know, like that's, that's kind of how you're made to feel. And then as life goes on, you're like, why didn't I play golf? Uh, there you go. It's it's just not like that anywhere else. RC, what what was your biggest kind of uh, you know th- the thing that you would do before every game? Everybody's got something, right? Some sort of you know food they're going to eat, or I don't know right. something you're going to do. What was your what was your deal? One of them I do to this day, and that's eat cereal. I eat a bowl of cereal. And Same I cereal? Yes. No exaggeration. What if kind? you ask one of, oh, Fruity Pebbles, you ask one of the kids on my team right now, they come over my house Fruity and I'm like, Pebbles. you got, I got two rules in my house. You respect at the time my daughter was here and I'm like, you respect the women in my house and you don't eat my damn Fruity Pebbles. Other than that, <laughs> you can run around here and do whatever you want. Those are the only two rules I tell everybody that walk in my house. Don't respect Randolph, my what women about, and my Fruity Pebbles. What about Krispy Kreme donuts? Oh. I had to get off those. I had to go to rehab to get off those. That's just ridiculous. That's that's Winston Salem. I, I, I had right? to, yeah, I had to stop. I, and I started yeah. teasing when I see guys like Tommy Amick is a big uh, you guy. Yeah. So I'll call him and randomly call him sometime and be like, man, stay your ass out of Krispy Kreme or something <laughs> like that. But I had to leave those alone. Like I really, it got out of hand. I, I couldn't They're drive by and see the hot side on, hot sign on and drive by. I, I had to leave those alone. My daughter right. gives me crap about it now. How about last last year when they had the bubble at Mohegan Sun and we had to quarantine for like 24 hours as media when we got there. So Mohegan Sun, you walk in, you walk in and they got the Krispy Kreme place downstairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a 12 pack. (laughs) I went through a 12 pack within not even 24 hours. I got out of there quicker than 24. I got out of there in about 18 hours. They were all gone. All 12 of them were gone. Yeah. Yeah. No no wonder why I was a fat ass at 225 about – Three months ago, at least I, I've I've come down I, to about two two oh five two ten. So I get no it. Krispy Kremes for me. Jeff, uh, I, I got a question for Randolph. Yeah. Can I ask him one? Yeah, can of I, course. Can I go out of turn here. Yeah, Randolph, I'm always the, the guy like you know the generations of when we played, when you mm-hmm. played. You look at the ACC, and that was a different day and age. Remember, because right, think about it, everybody was there for three or four years, right? I mean, right, right. I mean, I think of some of the guys that 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 I played against that were juniors and seniors. In today's world, they would have been gone in nine months. Derek Coleman, think about that, oh, right? right? Or those. Right. Okay, so if you had five guys to pick, you can't be on the team. 
point guard two, three, four, five during your time in ACC. Give me the five best. ACC, uh, yeah. I mean, point guard. It's it's Pearl. I would say maybe no. He wasn't. You know, Syracuse old Biggie, wasn't an old ACC. ACC. That's old, old, old ACC. ACC. Yeah. I thought you were talking. So I'm gonna go. Maybe Kenny. Kenny Smith. Kenny, you know, maybe no. Well, no, no. Kenny Anderson. Kenny I'm going with Kenny Anderson. Kenny yeah. Anderson. Kenny Anderson. I could say Sam Cassell, but I'll say Kenny Anderson. Two, I would go with um, wow. Probably Monroe, NC State. Mm-hmm. Rodney small Monroe. Forward, Rodney Monroe. I'd go with Grant yeah. Hill at the at the small forward. Yeah. My power forward, I would have to say. Rodney Rogers. We talked about him yeah. earlier. I, I think Rodney would be a guy that would. And then, I, I know I'm gonna sound like a homer for this, but uh, well, I would have to go with Christian Lake. I, I think you can't go with Christian. I mean, his he's yeah. an all time, you know. And, and and we got a chance to. He was a little bit ahead of me, but I'd say if I had to go during my time, maybe I'd say, how could I go against Duncan? Hard. No, you I can't. Mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how can I say? No, and can't. and those are those are and two. He's the senior. Two, yeah, those are two teammates, and and I came in with Rodney, and we talked about it, but I don't think people understand. Like, think about when you think about from, from that generation, like how special you had to be to go early. Yeah. Like, you had to be, like, like Grant Hill, yeah. did, you know, these guys, like, you had to be elite guys even think about. Like, yeah. Rodney left as a junior. You yeah. had to be, like, Mashburn. I mean, other than, like, Tim. Well, you weren't leaving early. unless you were a top no. 10 pick then. Yes. 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 That's the yes. difference. Now you're yes. leaving if you can get a two-way. Right. right. No, it's right. sad. Yeah, for right. sure. It's a, it's such a difference. I mean, when I went to Pitt and we were in the Big East, uh, and the Big East has changed quite a bit, as you know, just like the ACC has. But one of my favorite teammates and one of the best players that I've ever seen is Charles Smith. And, you know, Charles was a senior when I was a freshman and, Sometimes I laugh like Charles would have never become a sophomore in today's world because he would have left. Somebody would have picked him on potential. And, uh, you know, he was the Big East player of the year as a senior. I think he became the number two or three pick in the draft. But uh, how good he was. You know, Cliff Robinson was at UConn. But Cliff Robinson was a senior, junior for Calhoun. And think about Cliff Robinson. I think Cliff Robinson played almost 19 years in the NBA. He did. He and he played four years in college. He was a teammate of mine. <laughs> there you he? go. How talented I played, is he? I played, I played with him in uh, Trailblazers. That's why I got drafted. Yeah. Uncle Cliffy. No, Uncle Cliffy. I mean, like you said, it, it, everything's changed now, and it makes it hard. I mean, you had them, Sean. You had three of them that year that all left at Arizona a couple years mm-hmm. ago. And, again, Nico Mannion, you kind of felt like probably when he was coming in, he, he's a one and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh my god, uh, Zeke Naji, Zeke no, Naji, no, Josh, Josh, Josh. Yeah. Josh, everybody thought was a one yeah. and done. Nobody thought Zeke was a one and done, and you lose yeah. all three. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that class is in Randolph, I think we played you, we played against you, Josh. You know, you had Nico, uh, who's a McDonald's All American, you had Josh, who's a McDonald's All American. Zeke was very underrated. All three of them left after one year. Uh, Zeke and Josh are doing really well in the NBA. Nico's in Europe, and I think he's doing very well. But you know the guy that was just there was Christian Coloco. And if you think about, you know, now here you have him in his third year, right? A junior, 
and you look, he's developing into an NBA player himself. It just took a little bit of time, but give Christian credit. He stayed the course and he's, he's where he's at. And look, he's one of America's best big guys, but all four of those guys were in that class. And then the fifth player was a guy named Terry Armstrong, who I, I to this day, I, I think was an NBA Tough. player, but he left. He never came with us. He went straight to Australia. So that group, you talk about a recruiting class. That was a heck of a recruiting class right there. All right. Can I ask you before I've been meaning to ask you this forever. And, and I keep forgetting on these because we haven't had this kind of after, after deal as Doster right. calls it. How did you get Ben Matherin? Like, I know you went the international route yeah. out of nowhere because you had yeah. never recruited internationally. And yeah. then, you know, you, you well, get Matherin, you get Tubelis. How did you all of a sudden pivot yeah. and get some of these guys? Yeah, I mean, and that's what, that's what we did. It's what you said earlier, both of you, when you were describing Louisville, you had a lot of different things happening that, that sometimes you can't overcome. You know, some of the things just, they're not even true, but just it's going to affect your ability to recruit the very best you can. So we just, we went the opposite direction. It took a couple of years. Everybody thinks you snap your finger and you get Kirk Kreese. Uh, uh, it, we started this process two and a half, three years ago, but you know, what's interesting about Ben and Jack Murphy, who's still on the staff at Arizona deserves a ton of credit for identifying Ben and, and recruiting him. But um, Ben almost went to Baylor. If really? you can imagine, he no would have way. been on Baylor's team last year. You'd be looking at him this year and being like, what in the world's going on? But it just shows you how shrewd and, and, and just smart they are, Baylor recruiting, because that's really what, what happened. But, you know, Ben's from Montreal. Imagine this. He's from Montreal, Canada, but he played in Mexico City. So it took a lot of travel to recruit him. And uh, thank goodness he came. I mean, he's really you, – you don't have a crystal ball, and you know this, Randolph, to always project how it's going to end up. But when you looked at him, you kind of knew he was going to become special. And just to watch him play, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Ray Allen. Whether he becomes that once he leaves, his shooting and his size, he's effortless, man. I mean, he, re he really is. And Ben right now, is he's just turned 19. He's good. So, you know, when he played for us a year ago, he was actually 18 years old as a freshman. So did you go down to Mexico City to visit him? Right. And then remember, then COVID happened. <laughs> you know, so so it's like the end of it well, was like COVID. Sure. But I remember talking to you well, <laughs> before the year in COVID, and we weren't sure that your guys were even going to get the freshmen. We're going to get to Tucson, especially to Bellis and his brother. Right. They all arrived at the beginning of September and late August. Not one of them was there in the summer. And, right. you know, sometimes you just shake your head. It's what we talked about earlier. COVID has impacted the world, but the world of sports, there are certain things that have happened that just like never would have happened. You know, just uh, some of it is like even those guys, they weren't even able to officially visit. Right. right. Like as Julius and, and his brother they had to kind of go over Zoom and make their decision. Think about how crazy that is, you know. Uh, I, I said that, Sean, even with the transfers. Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't realize. I think that's part of it, too. Some, some of these people are, I mean, some of these programs are getting kids on the transfer portal. These kids didn't visit. They yeah. just looked at them on film, threw some numbers, or looked at Ken Palm, or looked at something else and was like, and, 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 and they hit. 
Yeah, like, I don't know sure. how much credit you can really take because there's no way you can sit. No one took visits. None of these kids that are playing yeah. that hit the portal took official visits. They just yeah. saw these no, kids in the different. summer when mm -hmm. they enrolled on, when they arrived in summer school. If they no, can get on. Sean said, Sean said to me last week, he said that benefits some of those schools that are a little further out, right? That are hard right. to get For to, sure. like a yes. Texas no Tech, like an Oregon. Yes. Yep. We talked about that with like Texas Tech because, you know, it's, I think in recruiting, the way that I've always tried to look at it is what's your competitive advantage? We all have one. And guess what? We all have competitive disadvantages, depending yes. on who you're recruiting, where, where the young man is, who you're recruiting against. And, and trust me, Texas Tech, what they always are trying to overcome is, you know, Lubbock, Texas being in Western Texas. But when you're transferring and you're signing up to be in a program to be the best you can be, to play in the big 12 conference, America's best conference right now. Hey, I want to play in the NCAA tournament. I want to have a chance to leave your program and play professionally. Well, guess what? They answer the bell in all of those things. Rabid fan base, great facilities, tremendous conference, incredible coach. And guess what? The, where it's located doesn't mean nearly as much now as it once did. Yeah. And I think you're going to see in this year's tournament, my prediction There'll be more upsets in this year's tournament than maybe historically in any other year, because I'm telling you, there are programs right now that are older and more seasoned yes. than they've ever been. Yeah. And yes. you play in those early rounds, it doesn't favor the, the power five or the heavyweights as much as, uh, as, as was the case before. They got All the right, super guys. seniors now. Right. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, it is. I mean, there's guys that are, that are so much older against again, the gap is so, so big. And in the NBA, they're always saying, well, age is a detriment. In college, it's not a detriment. We know that by now because you're looking at the teams that are winning it all, and they're all older now. All right, let's get to three cheers, guys. Uh, our three cheers. Uh, RC, you want to start us off? I will. Tonight, I got to give it to the old guy down in Miami, Coach L. <laughs> I mean, we 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 wrote the old guy off, man. Oh, and, we did. And, and we, I think everybody. I had him did. fired wrote, at the end of the year. Come, I think. come on, man. We, I think everybody wrote the old guy off yeah. and, and give him credit, man. He's a heck of a coach. He's had a great run at this thing. And they went into Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech was desperate. They had to get that at home and they went on the road. And, and for a team that's I don't even think for them being as highly rated as they are in the ACC in the tournament. Right. But they got them a road win tonight. So my. I'm toasting to Coach L and the Miami Hurricanes. I like it. I like it. Sean? I need more time. You got to go second. All right. I'm <laughs> going to go second, and, and I'm going to toast. Well, let me toast to Coach L first before I forget here. I got my blue moon here, <laughs> my, my drink of choice. Coach L, get, get, listen, go as long as you can. Down there in hey. Miami, hey, go man. as long as you can, my man, because <laughs> that job's about as good as any out there. There's a lot of people that – when he does hang them up, that are going to be fighting over that one, right? All right. I'm going to go with uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I'm looking at the record right now. They are 6-2, and two, and I'm going with another guy that there was a little bit of pressure on this year, Mike mm -hmm. Bray. They've struggled. I'm telling you, when you talk about the best guys in college basketball, you have to put Mike Bray at or near the top of that list. He's hilarious. He's as likable as it gets. And the one thing with Bray is like, he's super honest without really offending people. I don't know how he does it, 
but but he somehow finds a way to do it. They've been off the grid the last few years, but I'm hoping Mike Bray can get them back to the NCAA tournament. There's going to be four teams from the ACC, we've talked about this, that get in. I don't know who the heck they are yet, but I think Notre Dame can be one of them. I mean, listen, if they end up second or third in the ACC, they're going to get in. So, Mike Bray, cheers, my man. Cheers. And you're right about Notre Dame. They, they're sneaky right now and how well they've been playing. And what are they, six and two now in the ACC? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we talked about it before we got on here. Blake Wesley. Yes. If you have not seen this kid. He is from freshman. South Bend. It was like, like gold handed yeah. to Mike Bray that that kid was from South Bend and nobody knew about him. Yeah. And Mike Bray was candid with him about it, about him, guys. And he said if the kid was playing on a circuit because of COVID, they couldn't see. He didn't even see the kid. He didn't see him until he came on campus because he couldn't go out to recruit him because of COVID. That's great. And the, other, great. the other great addition of why they're good this year is with Anthony Solomon coming in there. He's deferred yep. to him and allowed him to kind of help them defensively. So they've gotten better with a defensive effort. They could always score. Now they're defending them better. Look, Sean, I'm going to toast one, and I'm going to kind of come at you out of the box uh, because I just – a little bit like we talked about with Chris Mack earlier. I'm going to toast Carolina and Hubert Davis. I like right? it. Mm. Because it is. Can you imagine how difficult it is to be a first-year head coach at Carolina, no. replacing everything, and then having <laughs> to deal with pressure? And, you know, when I watched them play at Miami – and they took that loss 85-57. You know, that's that's an epiphany moment. And then then, you know, Randolph, they go to wake. And guess what? They don't they don't really respond quite yet. Then it's easy to go south. It's it's easy to fall, you know, yeah. into the narrative. But they've bounced back now and they have back-to-back home wins. And they have another one against NC State here coming up. But um Look, Carolina this year and Hubert Davis's first year might end up being an NCAA tournament team, and that's it. But I think that the more that he gets an opportunity to be himself and coach, um, you know, my hope is that uh, for him they continue to have success. So it's too easy to give up on Carolina's tradition. And it's certainly too easy to give up on this year's Carolina team because, as we've talked about, they have talent. When you watch them play offense – there are some games when they really are, are among the best. Their problem has been defense. So a toast to two in a row. Hopefully it'll be more. Yeah, and one of the real good guys. I mean, I don't know him super well, but everybody says, like, Doug Gottlieb, I was talking to the other day about it. One of, one of the best guys, uh, period, is, is Hubert Davis. All right, well, there you have it. Uh, our three cheers. Thanks for joining us on the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman. Sean Miller, Randolph Childress, thanks for joining us. Now you know I like uh, these Pop-Tarts, and I'm probably going <laughs> to continue to eat them, even though Sean told me they, they have poison in them. Um, Do you Google sure it. Google it. I'm when you get Googling. off, Google it. Yeah. I think if you're going to see If I Google right. it, I'm done. He don't want to yeah. know. He don't want to know. No, I have no uh, Listen, it's, it's, like a, it's like a Big Mac. Yeah. I know how bad McDonald's Big Macs are, but, man, yeah. do they taste good to me. So I, I hear you. I them. hear you. Well, it's good being on with you guys. Randolph, it's good seeing you, man. You too, Sean. Mm. All right, have a good night. And tomorrow night, make sure you... Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.